You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their line of Pro Studio headphones and microphones, as well as the TM2 in your monitor measurement coupler at audix-usa.com. RCF, manufacturer of professional line array, subwoofer, and loudspeaker systems, as well as portable sound solutions and audio tools for your production studio. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection drives the design of every product. Visit RCF at rcf-usa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? It would seem that it all depends on the famed philosopher John Locke's conception of primary and secondary qualities of the tree. Of course, this metamorphosis indicates the qualities the objects possess initially, axiomically, and which are attributed to them by the listener. The falling tree in the forest does not really sound like anything, kind of like the heavy metal Skeltzimmer band I was in in high school. I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast. My name is Kyle Chernside. Um, I'm here in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri, joined by Chris Leonard in beautiful up up, up north of, of Philly. North? No, it's south. No, I, I mean, I live like 30 minutes south of Philly, but you can say Philly. It's all good. Can we say Newark? That'd be gross, right? Uh, yeah, New, uh, like Newark, Delaware? No. Or Jersey. There is two Newarks. Jersey. No, yeah. I'm south. South, south. south of that. Anyway. And <laughs> Sam Boone's home. It looks like she's home. Nope. And she's, where, at where's home? she's at, Mike, she's at Michael's oh, house right now. From beautiful Rome, New York. The, the, you don't recognize the giant candelabra thing candelabra. from yeah. Lord of the Rings or Phantom of the Opera or something like that? Sorry. Don't. The, the, fan, <laughs> yeah. the halo? Is it halos behind me? Yeah. The, the sheer amount of nerd behind me is not mine. <laughs> We we should go through Michael's stuff on the podcast. Yeah, it's the uh, the new edition of um, Arms Reach in Michael's office without Michael there. That's yeah. <laughs> Does he have oh, a I'm weird gonna... drawer that's locked? I don't know. I don't want to know. I <laughs> From beautiful yeah. Rome, New York, Sam Boone. <laughs> don't ask me that question because I am uh, at my ex. In laws, so I can get weird. I can get weird. <laughs> I'm not reaching for a damn thing in here. <laughs> Oof, all right. Well, let's get some housekeeping out of the way and then get into this. Um, so, um, this should come out. Yeah, it should come out before CFX. We'll be at CFX in Dallas. Um, maybe Kyle may or may not be there, depending on maybe some work you might get. Oops. So, we'll, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Work's more important. Um, but at least Michael and I will be there um, uh, at December. Oh, geez, December. Oof. Holy it's rough, moly. It, it's been a rough week. Um, October <laughs> 25 and 26, Dallas at the convention center. Uh, loudspeaker Correct. demo and, and show floor and stuff. Come see us. Come hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the other two housekeepings that I had were um, the the... The Rody Clinic, um, Paul has, um, you know, w- w- a few episodes ago, we did an episode with Paul and Courtney and been talking about the work life balance and all that. And that spawned into um, creating a channel within our Discord. 
um, that people have been using, which has been a really, I mean, the discord has been evolving and growing. I appreciate y'all. It's awesome. And then like this, this Rody clinic channel is kind of just starting to get being used and I love it. It's really cool. Um, it's um, so anyway, if you, I know we beat y'all over the head over coming to discord, come to discord, check it out. Um, there's good stuff happening there. Second thing, I made a post um, because I saw Heather um, Malyuk, uh, who is a audiologist who we had on the podcast um, a few weeks ago at this point. Um, and, uh, and you, you know, part of what she is trying to do is that she's in the minority of audiologists who actually cater to or understand musicians and or sound engineers. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. But um, she is trying to change the audiology, um, audiologist community and understanding our needs as an audio community or a uh, rock and roll industry or whatever. Um, and she had posted a thing about, um, you know, someone who hadn't been, had only been wearing one ear, uh, one IEM and the damage that that has caused permanently. And that this person hadn't really been going to an audiologist that understood our field and was getting maybe bad advice and things like that. So it spawned a lot of good conversation. Um, that episode that we did with her, I think is only the beginning of talking about these things. And, and her and I are talking, we're trying to get a panel together soon about with brilliant, some more brilliant some, episodes. Some yes. yeah, some more audiologists and talk about this further because, I mean, uh, it, like a lot of things, this is an area where we talk about SPL and other things within our industry where, you know, we're we're still kind of far behind the curve on where we should be, quite frankly, in terms of knowledge and safety and all these things. So, um, I just it was more of an encouragement of like, hey, let's be aware of these things. Let's talk about these things some more. So, that's all I got for housekeeping. I got housekeeping, so okay. I want to blow it. We're coming up on 200. Yes. And, uh, and I'd like to hear from the community, Facebook, Discord, wherever, on what you guys want us to do. Because we've been thinking about maybe getting a clubby club and doing a thing and having some friends come. Or we're thinking about it be around the time of Nam and well, doing a thing. What we're definitely like, going to do, just so we're clear, we're definitely going to have a concert with Mike Green, who does the intro track uh, Break Free. For those who don't know who does the intro track Break Free. Um, what if my band opens? What if uh, my band absolutely, opens? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, or it's Scorched an open Earth. With a yeah, open, what if it open, opens with open a reading? Mic. Oh, open with a reading? <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear uh, some 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 improv comedy from Sam Boone is what I want to hear. Yeah, anyway, yeah. we're definitely going to do a concert. But one-liners. We're Oboe. definitely going to do a Oboe concert. Solo. We've been um, probably tossing around the idea of doing Nashville because we think it just makes sense. We know there's a lot of people around the country, but it's probably the most central place. This is likely to happen in April, uh, which is right around when our 200th should be out around the first week-ish of April, something maybe something like that. Um, and, um, but yeah, we, we want to make it fun. Um, I don't expect people to fly to this thing, right? Like, it, it is what it is if you're... That's why we try to choose, like, Nashville or something like that where people can maybe come and hang out. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be... I think it's going to be it's gonna be cool. I didn't want to blow it, but said, I wanted to blow it. open mic. I was getting confused with the Undertaker convention. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, did, did I go too far, Kyle? You said blow it. I, I was... <laughs> no, no, no. That's awesome. We, we, well, here's the deal. We, we haven't booked a venue, but we we legitimately... We know we, we could maybe go to like a rehearsal space like Soundcheck or something like that or whatever. But I think it'd be kind of cool to go to a, you know, maybe a small venue and, you know, uh, and have some fun with it. So if, if anyone has suggestions, connections, probably in the Nashville area, uh, let us know. So, let us know your thoughts and let's, um, let's make this a, make this a fun thing. Awesome. Sick. Sam, who's our guest? Oh, cool. Uh, so today we have a front of house engineer, Mr. Todd Lewis. Yay. Redemption. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did not oh, set up on, that hold. last setup. I, I love not. That I love Dan. how I love how when Sam is ever asked to like actually do the intro or intro a guest, she goes to a different space. It's just like <laughs> calm, soothing. Today NPR. we're going to do this. You know. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I apparently am just not chaotic enough for this. Delilah. Yes, I was about <laughs> yeah. to go there. Delilah, yes. <laughs> Uh, Sam, who has written in lately with her love troubles and needs a song <laughs> to encourage the relationship to further? <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, scary buddy. <laughs> I was gonna say, Chris. Good though. Oh. As Kyle, sorry, right. it takes a very long drink. <laughs> This is what happens when oh, Michael's not here, by the way. So, oh, anyway. we should not be left unsupervised. This is proof. <laughs> so, Todd is the front house engineer, long time of Luke Combs, and um, I believe I met you in Asheville at the Orange Peel, iconic venue, yes, a long sir. time ago. And who would you have been with back then? Uh, I think the time I went through where I hung out with you guys was um, a side project of Kill Switch Engage called Times of Grace. And I'm trying to think who else. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. And you invited me back. You were like, hey, production meeting. It was after a show loaded out, done. And you guys had um, delicious homemade beverages from the hills. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. And- this is crazy. I was like, when when Sam said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get Todd back," I'm like, "Oh cool." A couple weeks ago, we had Todd on Luke Combs. <laughs> I just looked it up. Freaking a year ago, we had y'all on. So we had the whole uh, Luke Combs crew on episode 116 back in August of last year. So holy cow, it's been a year. Holy smokes, it's been that long. Yeah, flies. I I felt like I waited an appropriate amount of time to come back it, and just it, it, certainly. And it was, you know, it's funny. Yeah. We, we, we've had a couple of these episodes where we have like a whole crew of a tour or whatever, and they're, they're fun. They're unique, but you never quite get to the same vibe and conversations and stories that you get with like a person from a crew. So I think anytime we have these ones where we're like a full crew, it's definitely worth bringing back the, like we had Dan on, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And so, yeah, we're just making our way back down the line. So Todd, Dan was more important than you. And, uh, we had him on first. <laughs> and, uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> wow. He he messed yes. up the microphone last time anyways. He, well, he does do six jobs, so he is more yeah. important than me. Well, welcome back, Todd. For starting. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Yeah. <laughs> Your mic works this word. Time. Sweet. So Todd was on with Dan Zeus as part of our Luke Combs whole audio team episode. And we are now back to torture him some more. <laughs> <laughs> 
just to see, <laughs> kind of pick his brain. I know, Todd, you've had a little bit of an unusual career in that you've spent almost the entire time with one artist. Yes, I have. Um, I, I've got a weird career in some ways. Um, where All of us do. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> When I got into it, there wasn't any of these academies or colleges or anything like that. You read the Yamaha Black and White Sound reinforcement book, and it's probably still in my bathroom. It's a good place to read from. Um, but uh, you did that, and you kind of figured shit out. You know, you got stuff thrown at you. You got yelled at, you know, in the clubs. You started as a monitor engineer and worked your way to front of house, and that's kind of what I did uh, before that, honestly. You know, I was a stinking karaoke DJ on the weekends. But did, and, did you uh, do the roller skate rink like Kyle aspires to? Oh, definitely. See, definitely. That's, that's my jam. Guarantee I've done probably 200 of those. You had couple um, skate, reverse skate on lock. Oh, and I used my sexy voice on it. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Delilah. Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I did that. And, uh, actually the way I got into club world, um, back when, um, American idol was the thing. I think every little podunk city across America had their own version of it. Mm. And uh, the guy that I was working for at this DJ company, he's like, hey, man, I want you to be a part of this. And I'm like, okay. So they made me the front of house guy, and it was like live band, karaoke, or whatever. And I did that, multi tracked it with a, uh, what was the the uh interface that uh Chrisonis got sued over because it had i in it it was the ipod oh, or I, it was I live. uh was it the i live like it was an eight eight channel interface and then i had a tascam eight channel interface did all that mixed it down put it you know sent it to the producers and they put it up and that was my first time walking into the orange peel and I bugged the shit out of the uh, production manager um, at the time, Dan Cochran. And uh, he told me, he's like, well, if uh, we've got this uh, run of shows coming up with uh, Smashing Pumpkins, um, they did nine shows in 14 days at the Orange Peel. And um, I said, if you can make it through that, I'll hire you. So I made it through that. He hired me and I wound up becoming uh, the production manager there um, in that his health got bad where he couldn't do a whole lot of walking um, due to some complications, uh, medical complications. And uh, I wound up just being the day-to-day guy. You know, he was, he would do the paperwork. I'd be the enforcer on day of show and uh, stayed there a total of 10 years. Um and uh, that's where that's where Luke found me. Um, my ex-wife actually introduced me to him <laughs> via. She found him on YouTube and Vine, and uh, then she's like, "Man, you've got to you've got to meet my husband." She's like bugging me. She's like, "You got to meet this guy. He's awesome." I was like, "Hey, man, dude can sing." Um, I don't know where he's at or anything like that. She wound up texting him on some app and uh 
you need to meet my husband if you ever get to Asheville. Well, he was at his parents' house 10 minutes down the road um, for Thanksgiving. I was mixing Steep Canyon Rangers that night for a local show. And um, they came up to the show, got him in. They stood with me. And he's like, man, that sounds good. And kind of the rest is history. So, You've made hey, Sam. Uh, uh, Sam Vine, Vine Vine is like TikTok now in case you didn't know what Vine was Sam so I just know. <laughs> <laughs> you know Sorry. I got in the very back end of that one I, I sort of know what it is but I never had one yeah I don't think I had one I watched it but I don't think I ever <laughs> made any content so don't go look my TikTok careful content. Chris I don't think anybody oh, ever no, actually realizes how old I am <laughs> it's great right Sam is 17. (laughs) (laughs) I can drink. That's about it. No. Um, Six. So we got time. Yeah. But go for it. She's a badass in her own right. You know, I didn't know all the stuff about her. No, freaking 100%. No, no. I'm I'm not just minimizing. I'm not diminishing Sam. I'm just. Oh, no. I'm not saying that. (laughs) But, like, I. Like. I just showed up to SES and I got, oh, there's a chick, you know, this girl over there helping the guys, you know, put together our monitor rig. I was like, okay. You know, didn't think much about it. Kind of went over to my own corner and they're like, oh, yeah, she's got this award and that award. And I'm like, what the, f- what the hell's going on here? Grammy nominated. Yep. They do what I'm told. I like, yeah. I like building stuff. That's all I got. Um, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So you ran into me back at SES where you guys yeah. had been kind of running around and yeah, I spent, I spent some quality time with a lot of, a lot of racks that ended up going to you guys. <laughs> yeah. God bless. God bless. Zeus. That was yeah. Did you uh, take part in any of the 360 build those carts or anything? No, I was the round before that, I think. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But I'm familiar with how they do those. Yeah. That was, yeah. Pretty, that was pretty cool how they did that and, those things weigh thirty eight hundred pounds a piece. By the way, they are heavy. For reference, we're referring to uh, flow amp carts. In yep. case anyone was wondering, um, we that. should probably go over the the current tour. You're you're currently doing a three sixty right now in the arena. So there was some really cool stuff that we uh, mentioned before. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was. Um, I don't know how Chris wants to lead back. Well, yeah, the I, yeah. The, que- the question was that we love before, and you know, uh, was you know, you know, Luke's been doing some in the round stuff, which typically, um, you know, it's new for a lot of people. Not a lot of people get to do in the round. So my question kind of was, hey, did you do anything different, um, uh, or what was the experience like uh, once you got to in the round? Yeah. Uh, so in the round. It, obviously different um in that you're taking and you're putting up more pa you're not having to throw as long in the room but you're having to throw it in a full 360 degree circle um and so you're basically half the distance from the pa that you would be on an end stage um so the things i was referring to was that you know mixing different you're having to make the pa feel smaller um, in your tuning. Um, and and that's just a product of, you know, we're doing four sets of stereo PA and it's towed out a little bit as you're facing each stereo set. 
um, just to kind of cover those corners a little better between overshoot and um, and towing that PA out just a few degrees, not anything ridiculous. Just trying to give everybody the best experience, um, you know, as much as possible. But in doing that, you've got, you know, I'm staring at 16, 32 boxes of PA. Well, I've got another 32 that are pointed the opposite direction. You know, so I'm catching all the low end crap off that. That's totally out of time. Plus the reflections and, you know, stuff like that. So there, it, it does get interesting in that there's a, I feel like the rooms are a little more sensitive, um, to how you're putting out the sound and your volume levels. Um, you start getting any, any slap back or anything like that off a hard surface. Um, it, it gets interesting real quick. Do you find Sometimes yourself you mixing uh, quieter when you're in an arena 360? Do you control the sound a lot quieter? SPL wise? Um, I would say depending on the night. No. Um, <clears throat> I stay right about, I think my show runs between 90 on the solo acoustic, um, 90 a weighted and on our, uh, last song, the finale, uh, the beer never broke my heart. Um, I'm sitting one Oh two, one Oh three. Most of the show is in that 95 to 98, 99. Realm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very comfortable and reasonable. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, but I like to have those dynamics and the way the set lists typically are built, you know, we come in, punch you in the face and then kind of got a little, there's, there's an ebb and flow to it. Exactly. Sam, um, you know, there, there is an ebb and flow and I want people to, you know, when Luke does, it's just him and acoustic guitar and one spotlight. I want that to be super intimate. I, I use, honestly, I use audience peer pressure to get people to shut the f- up and listen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can achieve that, I feel like, you know, when you come out of that, you hit them in the face. That's 20 DB, you know, well, 10 DB of dynamic range. And that's huge in a mm-hmm. live setting. You know, it it's is. not 40, but it's, you know, like a movie. Grabbing um, the crowd. Exactly. You bring them in, you suck them in real close, and then you hit them in the face again with a big song, and it has more impact than, you know, sitting at 95 the whole night and then trying to do 98. It's not as impactful. Um, but it, it comes down to the, it's basically that same principle that I, I see a lot of, that a lot of live sound guys do, me included, is um, kind of overdo stuff in the live, whether it be effects, volume, dynamic range, stuff like that. Um, I catch myself doing it. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, I'm kind of used to it, and I feel like we're getting to a place where just by just as a function of the system tuning i can literally take a file that i've done in a 360 setting and it translates on end stage awesome that's great that's really cool which isn't bad how, you know how was the um 
so you you worked with Luke coming up from kind of the club scene into you know theaters and arenas or whatever that progression was. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about through the years is that you know there's a difference on you know damage control mixing versus like getting to mix like things like bringing in overheads and things like that was was there a transition point where you know coming from that club scene and and whatever and getting to actually use all input from the stage and (laughs) and create that true balanced mix was there a point where you realized there was like a like a difference there yeah so for us it was a, a fairly marked you know um clear line in, in, in the progression. Um, when we were doing the clubs and the bars, I had one guy that was on a, um, shit. What was it? I remember, we'll call it a helix. Although it wasn't, um, he was on one of the line output type deals and the rest of the guys were on regular amps. We had a twin on steel, um, a, a custom amp on something else, and you know, then we had a deluxe over here, and you know, AC30 over there. So, there's a lot of uh, stage volume, but really, when we went to the 360, it was like we got to get you know, we, there's no place to put that stuff on a 360 stage, so it all had to go downstairs where Zeus is and all the techs. And you can't have somebody with a twin. <laughs> you know, down there just raping faces. You know, it's just not, you, know, you can't expect people to work down there like that. So everybody now is fully on quiet stuff, you know. So that makes it easier for me. And I'm not getting a bunch of trash in my overheads. Um, and I can bring stuff in. Um, and almost, um, almost do whatever I want. You know, I've got that almost as much liberty with my mix as a monitor engineer that's just running ears. Um, that's good. You know, Luke puts out a shit ton of vocal um, to where I don't have to worry about ringing his vocal out in PA on a regular show. Now, if I'm doing stuff for video, we just we just did one. Um, it was. Uh, it was a taping for a, for a company um, where everybody gets their music these days. And um, some video people turned the front fills. They were arcs. Well, the camera people didn't like where they were, and they just <laughs> turned them straight in like side fills. And oh, no. They got me. Oh, yeah, they got me a couple times. But uh, that's just shit you have to deal with. Um there's not a whole lot you can say about it because um, you're kind of sure. at their mercy. You know, don't let a good yeah. don't let a good rock show get in the way of a TV shoot. So. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you guys are now right on that level. I know you guys just did a number of stadium shows that you wrapped up. Yeah, and we did. Yeah, which was they looked awesome. Saw saw the social media version, um, which. Which is really they did cool. look great. Um, our lighting designer Kevin Northrup he's he's pretty awesome. Um, he's an, he was a SES guy for a long time, and um, now he's out with us full time. He actually ran our first show in Asheville at the Civic Center, or whatever they're calling it now. Um, 
the he did that. That was like our first arena show, my first time with a lot of big brown boxes. And um, I mean, he's he does the design and he kills it. You know, he, he really does a great job. Can't say enough about him. Awesome. Um, so, so walking into that stadium, right, to do a show, do you ever think back to like the Orange Peel or just that first bar show you did? And I what's do. that been like for you? What's that moment like walking into the stadium? And then even then, what's it been like for you mentally to go through this whole thing? Because I'm sure there's been a lot of learning. There has, um, you know, honestly, there was that, the line when you went from clubs to opening your first, you know, we were um, openers for Aldine and we were openers for Brantley Gilbert. Um, I remember the first time um, on a, might've been a Brantley, I don't remember exactly when the song, he started doing it during the solo acoustic section even as an opener, he always did the solo acoustic section. Um, he does a song called this one's for you. And he's like really thanking the people that have put him up to wherever he was at in that, in, you know, his position in the entertainment world. And I remember the first time he did that acoustic in a, I think it was in a shed, uh, as an opener, dude, I teared up. I did like just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a guitar and a vocal. I'm just going to go over here and just, you know, tear up like a little person. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah. And when we got to stadiums, you know, it's like you look around, we're, do, we're doing the, um, the down tempo stuff or the acoustic stuff. And you see 60,000 camera lights, you know, on cell phones, you're like, holy crap, this is it. You know, you're it really, you know, and I put on a persona on the road, but, you know, who's like the grumpy old sound guy, you know, whatever <laughs> that is. And, I like that um, <laughs> Yeah. Yell at the guys in their ears, um, except for now Zeus is the gatekeeper of my mic to the band. Um, so when they screw up, I can't. I don't have direct access to yell at them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the, the actual me, like, I'll, I'll tear up, you know, and, and it is from that growth, honestly. Just like, wow, look at what we're doing. Look at where we've come to. And when you, when you internalize the impact an experience that you're delivering to this body of people, there's nothing mm-hmm. like that, right? I mean, that's 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 awesome. Nope. So, what made you want to do this crazy thing? Oh boy! Um, honestly, that experience at the Orange Peel, you know, with the the whole American Idol thing, bugging the hell out of him. I, when we were doing that, I was like, I saw this PA, and I'd never mixed on it. It was a so. A couple of you, I know Kyle's been to the Orange Peel. Have you been there, Chris? No, I haven't, no. Uh, Sam, maybe. Um, so it's a thousand cat club. Those back door and Vine, she wasn't allowed in at that time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, ah. you know, 13 or older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I walked in there and I saw the, the, the rig they had was a Y18 Adamson rig. Yeah, and, I like those things. Yeah. 
four aside and it's 53 feet from the front of the stage to front of house. Okay. You can't outrun that PA. Upstairs yep. and on wood everything. Wood everything. Oh, yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. It's an old roller skating rink. That's why Kyle loves so, it so much. Yep. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, a hollow floor, um, wood, uh, wood, uh, blah, 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 blah. floating. Kind of Maybe. Yeah, maple, maple wood. Um, it was it had something to do with the military in the early days, and then it was a oh, was it like a, like an old armory? Was it like an armory? something like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was something like a supply depot, or it had some stuff in it. And then it was a segregated club. Hmm. I think is how you're supposed to say that these days. But it had the birthday cake stage when the new owners bought it. Um, nice. It's attached, yeah. You know, it's attached to a car quest on the backside, and they were using it for just overflow storage of parts. Um, so they didn't do anything with the stage area. It had a drop ceiling in it. It was kind of run down. And they put the club in there and reused that name. It was called the Orange Peel the first time around as as the segregated club, which was pretty cool. Um, what an sorry. iconic place! If no one's ever been to Asheville. It is beautiful there, and uh, what a great place to be from. Like Luke is from around that area too, right? So you guys all yeah. did you go to school with him, or did you just meet him? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, funnily, is that a word? Funnily, funnily enough, it is now. Yeah, I'm making it a word. Um, funny enough, uh, we went to the same high school had the same uh, music teacher uh, in Corral, um, Janice Bryant was her name, and she was actually at our first shows at the Wild. Awesome. Yeah. That's now, amazing. I'm 15 years older than him. Um, you know, I've, yeah, I've got him by 15 years, and his parents live, I could be at their house just as fast as I got from the other location to here. Wow. Um, so, yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If that. So great so I people think, also. I, I think the connection that you have with Luke is something that we find totally interesting. I know it is for Sam because it, most of us never have that connection with the artist. Um, and it's yeah, exactly. very it's like personal. Same, same, same town, ta- like same town. Not, not, so not only same town, freaking same school and all that stuff. School, like that's teachers. That's unheard and, of. Yeah. And to be with them since doing bars till now, I mean, that's a relationship. Do you guys talk audio or do you guys just talk fishing and what you're going to do when you get home and stuff like that? Um, well, so he, he lives in Nashville now. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm joking. That's yeah. a joke. I'm joking. That's <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't move. Yeah. Um, I- ironically true. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but so it was, so the claims to fame with that high school supposedly are me, him and Chase Rice all went to that. Oh, high cool. School. Yeah. So you about the relationship? Do you do you guys talk about audio, or do you just be like, "Oh yeah, um, running home, we're going fishing." Oh, I like that spot. Yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, you know, we just kind of talk general stuff. He he stays honestly. He stays so busy. 
Um, like just a couple of weeks ago, we were, I think it was that week, we were in Green Bay. Um, then we had Friday, Saturday shows. Well, ESPN wanted him to do the college game day, be the guest picker for the day. Awesome. In Boone, North Carolina. So they had to fly him down, do the Boone thing, and him, and then fly him back. You know, so there's a lot of stuff where there's a distance now, um, yeah. just with being who he is. Um, but he's still the same guy, hundred percent the same guy. Um, we just did a thing in Vegas um, after we did iHeart, and uh, we went to the casino. We all pitched in a bunch of money and uh, did a team building exercise and won like. <laughs> <laughs> we did one roll of roulette and won twenty three thousand dollars. There you Holy go. Cow. Take as it. long as yeah, you cash out after that, you're good. Oh, we did. Yeah, that was oh, it. Good, and they good, were like, good, "Oh, good, you want to double up?" Because we're like, they, we walked into the high roller section nope. where everybody's putting their money in. You know, hundred here, hundred there, and uh, that was a cool team building thing. So that's a yeah. that's a weird thing. So. uh I started with Fall Out Boy probably about their second tour in before they went into Island Def Jam. And I watched those kids go from just these normal Chicago hardcore kids into pop icons. And you've experienced that too. And the thing that you said that grabbed me was um, there's a lot more distance because they're way too busy now. And I saw how that affected those those kids um, when that started to happen to them. It, it does he deal i mean it's funny because when you guys were on before it was like um he's like i think you guys described him as the plumber of country music like the dude could walk out pretty much anywhere and just like <laughs> kind of blend in he's just a normal country boy from Asheville. like um is he dealing with it well you guys are relentless like uh, that, that's something something to speak about for sure yeah. Uh, so first of all, Luke, it wasn't me that said that. <laughs> my, mic, my mic wasn't working. Somebody made sure of that I'm not the one that called you a plumber. Uh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, he's he's honestly. I feel like, and it's going to sound backwards. Um, I feel like he he gets more humble as time moves on, and. A perfect illustration of that is like the first, it was the first week of this tour in um, Bangor, Maine, um, that, you know, he's still, I'm going to say still, he, he's, he goes out of his way to, to interact with the fans, you know, not, not from a egotistical thing. He literally, I mean, he, there was two 12 year olds at the first show that we did there in Bangor and, um, he literally paid these two kids back for their tickets that they bought because they wow. had this sign that says, Hey, we, you know, saved up a hundred bucks or we had, we each made a hundred dollars and bought our tickets to this show from chopping wood. And he had, it was, it was in a poem. It was in a, you know, kind of going along with the lines to one of Luke's songs, how they phrased it. But, um, he reached in his pocket right there, gave him his per diem, paid him back for their tickets, wow. brought him backstage. Um, and then the next night uh, at the same venue, um, he wasn't feeling really good. Um, I got called back to the production office 
and he refunded thirteen thousand tickets. I saw that. I, saw, and, I was like, I was going to mention that when he. Saw, I literally just saw that like yeah. social clip mm-hmm. or whatever that. Yeah, he just recently yeah. did that. It's, it's crazy. Still I, did a show. I was kind know, of begging the nuts. question. Yeah. Uh, um, I, he's just that guy, you know. I feel like if I was to, if I feel like if anybody was to need like a real human connection type of thing, I don't know. Your kid get you know. You, you, into an issue at home, medical. Perfect. Well, I, I say I can't even um, um, pretend on this. I, we did a thing. We did the CMC in uh, Australia, and I spit up, or I didn't spit up, but I threw a blood clot in my leg. Oh no! Within tw- within five minutes of being in my hotel room, he's got a doctor standing there. He's that guy. Oh man, it's awesome. You know, so, and there was no, like, yep, here, sign off, boom. You know, any medication I would have needed, boom, yeah. So, there's a lot to be said for that, you know. Um, And it's not. 100%. It's not bullshit, you know. Um, He's not that guy. And he knows I'm not that guy, you know. He's like, he's told his managers and stuff like that. He's like, you know, know, the world's kissing my ear. I'm not going to quote him because that wouldn't be fair. And probably against an NDA or something, but <laughs> um, basically, you know, he's like Todd's the guy that'll tell you. He said the whole world's kissing my ass right now. Um, you know, and everybody's you're the greatest, you're the best. You know, blah blah blah. He's like Todd will tell me, man, did you have a bad night tonight? How's your voice? Hmm. You know, I'll come off stage feeling like a million bucks, and Todd'll be like, you okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm curious um, with the progression that you've had, um, and you know, uh, um, a little, a lot of like self-taughtness. We t- we talked about when we dumped the last recording how the the, the Yamaha Sound Reinforcement Handbook is sitting next to your uh, toilet uh, at home or something. But like, um, you know, I'm, what um, what mentors along the way have helped guide you? Um, especially as you've grown into these larger venues and, you know, higher stake mixing and things like that. What, what, um, who has helped you along through that? Time to plug some people. Um, honestly, my, my old boss at the orange peel, Dan Cochran, he was, he was a production manager there. Um, so at front of house, I was able to learn on an analog true console. They had an H one K there. Oh wow! Um, H one thousand. Yeah, with all the outboard, you know, BSS drummer, you know, nothing super fancy, you know, SPX nine nineties, M one D two. Those are um, all staples, yeah. though. I mean, yeah, yeah. But, they hold are, real quick, they, but the H one thousand. That's pretty. I, I that's that's a rare console, though. I mean, the H one thousand. Never was seen not, one. Yeah. Uh, Tyler the Creator actually still tours with them, by the way. Um, oh really? But, uh, I just did yeah. a show with him not too long ago. Yeah, um, um, DC, and uh, like that's actually the first time I saw was when he had one. But yeah, I mean, hmm. everyone knows like the H three thousand and stuff like that. But H one thousand, that's kind of rare. I think a lot of people pretend to know the H three thousand. It is a very familiar console, but once you go, how do you make a subgroup? How do you make a post or a pre aux? Yeah. That's when people get start getting lost. Um, so Dan really taught me a lot. Um, uh, and then after I started working there at the Orange Peel, there was a local production company. Um, 
and Chad Stewart, the owner of that company, um, he, he really taught me how to hell of a mixer. Um, he mixes, um, oh gosh, <laughs> uh, Peter Mayer. He does his stuff when he's not out with Jimmy Buffett. So we do, I've done his Christmas tour a couple times and it's a very delicate thing. It's really cool. Um, but, uh, Chad, he's one of those guys. He can walk up to a PA that's not been tuned and make it sound like a million bucks. He, he just, all he has is instinct. You know, what what, what are some of the what are some of the common what are some of the common threads or things that stuck out from those mentors that 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 that, that stuck with you? So just placement, um, you know, as far as you know, instruments, um, tones, you know, what you're really looking for in an instrument, you know, getting it to sound natural to sound natural within a mix, um, you know. Uh, Definitely learned from uh, Robert Scoville. I know he was a guest on your show not too long ago. Um, I remember when he was over at, I don't know if it was Avid or Digidesign at the time. You know, he used to do the uh, the videos and stuff like mm-hmm. that on on YouTube. And I was like, oh man, this guy's, you know, he's Tom Petty's guy. This guy's, you know. So you, you learn from people like that. And, you know, sure. Even if you don't wind up using their methods, um, you really get it ingrained in your head how signal flow um it, at a deep deep level um and then you know it's just listening to people's mixes I, I learn from their mistakes and their successes you know when they have a kick-ass show you really internalize it um and when they when something goes wrong you go okay you know and you kind of learn from that also so kind of had the advantage not advantage but because i really learn by doing i could turn around like oh i'm mixing the opener today and kind of apply some of the things that you observed um just and and it's not from a looking at knobs kind of thing either because sure yeah that's bs um you know um but yeah between those are my two big ones uh Dan and Chad were huge influences over the years and observing, you know, visiting engineers, being in a club, you get to see all kinds of approaches, um, to mixing. And I think that really helped. That's really cool. So how long did it take you to feel like you were actually doing the thing? And, (sighs) and when did that sink in? I don't know that it has really. Yeah. I think we all, and I, I think it's a, it's a, uh, a common theme through life, sadly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll admit to being one of those people is like, you're always, you know, chasing the next biggest thing you want, you know, man, I can't wait till we get out of these 400 cap, you know, gray Eagle type places to that thousand cap room. I remember even Luke, you know, he was like, man, my life goal was to play the orange peel. He says it. Um, and then it's like, Oh crap. Well, here we are. You know, well, my next goal is to play, you know, what Madison square garden as a headliner. And you do that and you go, Oh shit, we we pulled it. We we did it. Now what? 
and then you get to, and the next thing you know, you turn around and you're like packing out, you know, we did, uh, this year we did, uh, Denver mile high stadium. We did Seattle Seahawks stadium. We did Ohio state stadium and Atlanta. Yes. It's the Georgia Dome, right? Benz. Uh, Mercedes Benz stadium. I think oh, is what they're calling nice. it now. Um, indoor stadium. Um, and you do those and you're like, it, at a certain point, you kind of almost get really comfortable. Like when you, once you've once you've wrestled a bear at that stretching the limits of your capabilities um, and confidence, the next time it's not so bad. You're like, okay, well, this is a big room. All right, still a PA, still a room. Use your ears, stupid. Um, and that I, I feel like that methodology served me pretty well. Um, just mix it as it comes to you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't feel, I don't feel like I really get the jitters unless something wacky's happened during the day during setup and we're running behind, you know, at the top of the show, I'm, I don't feel like I, I get those or maybe I've learned to control my reaction to those jitters. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Um, the nervousness and that's, you know, I feel like anybody could do it given enough time. Uh, It's just getting confidence. I'm I'm curious. So coming from the club scene and -hmm. then going into touring, um, the relationships that you have to keep with people are different, right? Um, Because now, you know, it's someone coming and going from your club. Yeah. If you have a rough going with them, whatever. Right. But now, you have to live day in day out with these people. Was right. there was there um, was there ever a learning curve or thought processes in terms of those different life skills of now living on a bus in this tube with these people for months on end and the different relationship skills and communication skills it takes to have that on tour versus working in a club? I think I'm spoiled, honestly. Uh, and I'm, I'm not blowing sunshine up your ass either. Um, or maybe I am because I know my buddies are going to listen. And I've got to make a good showing for them. Um, <laughs> Dan has been no. texting me right now. He's like, what is Todd yeah, going to say? Yeah, what is Todd saying? <laughs> no, I, I feel like I, I, um, I feel like, like you said, you know, when it, when it's a visiting guy that's on his way through, you can do certain things, and you know, like, all right, well, they're not gonna, here in about four hours. They're not going to be here anymore, and you just kind of chalk it up to that. Um, on this tour, um, I have been, and we all are, and we all know it. We have been so lucky. Um, honestly, we we. There's literally or seven, eight buses right now. And there is not a person. No, there's not a person on that crew that I wouldn't give the keys to my house. You know, or have them go pick my kids up from school. Not because I need them to or want them to, but because I try, I, I can trust my people that much. I, I- for the record, for some people at home who may be listening, not every tour is like that. 
Oh, hell I'm, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's, be, let's, be, let's be real. Like, that's not, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. That is um, super unusual. Yeah, it, it's very unusual. And I feel like our from, I feel like honestly, and again, I'm not blowing sunshine up anybody's ass, but I think that environment was started by Luke. Mm. You know, he, he really, I mean, remember in the club days, we'd, you know, hop off the bus, play football together. We'd play shirts and skins and, you know, stuff like that. Maybe I wore a bra that I found in a parking lot to be a shirt. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> just that kind of just having fun, you know, like, hey, let's go do this after, you know. Um, and it's a real close-knit family, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's got everybody's phone number, even the vendors. You know, a lot of tours like, oh, well, you're just this or you're just that. You know, yep. the drivers. No, I, I, I sit up maybe partly nervous <laughs> with some drivers. It's like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to stay up with you to make sure, you know, cause you get new ones, you know, from time sure. to time. Um, but everybody, nobody is made to feel like they're just a bus driver. They're just an led tech, you know, we're going to go to the bar after a show on a, you know, walk away. We're all going yep. or going at least as a large group. Awesome. Um, you know, video vendors, audio vendors, you know, we are f- friends. Family. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. Very it's, lucky in that. it's crazy to think even my limited interaction with you guys, like you see it when it comes in, like when you, when you prep with enough people, you can kind of start to see those relationships because some people are very together and they joke around and they'll build their world side by side. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people are, they'll be on other sides of the shop or just. Yeah. Well, you saw me and Zeus building our stuff face to face. I mean, our consoles were, we we're literally looking at each other while we're building our show files on that one. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot to be said for that. Um, you know, it makes other, it, it, it's really nice in that because you have that close knit feeling, um, you almost, you don't have to communicate as much because you almost know what your other people are thinking. You know, like if you get down about a certain aspect of touring life, your buddies are thinking it too. Yeah. You know, whatever that aspect may be. I, I feel like you know, that's not to say we don't communicate about it, but you know, um, we can basically build a stage without saying a word to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to that, I'm kind of lucky in that I don't have to be up there. You know, <laughs> we've, we've got people for that. Um, but it, it, it's really nice. I, I, I can't say I've ever been more blessed in, in that aspect, you know, um, how about, how about the, um, on the home front, uh, transitioning from being local tech to touring? What was, what was that like for you? Uh, got the divorce papers out of it. Um, 
I don't it's mean to stir fun. up any any pain points. I'm just curious. I mean, it's it's a real factor of what we do. Turn and, your mic on, Sam. I didn't ask, and I didn't ask for a reason, and I knew it was coming. No, I didn't I didn't want to again, I'm not trying to I, look. I don't want. To, I didn't want to stop him. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna let you take that train. Oh, Lord. Sorry. No, I, I, it's actually hilarious. I, it's we're actually really good friends now. Um, I don't have to see her every day. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's actually um, at home. You know, it, it's really cool. I get my boys when I'm home, and it's all, you know, um, they. I don't really have any issues. You know, they're when we go do like longer stints overseas or you know whatever out west when you do california we'll stay out um but with a weekend warrior it works out great you know mm. um come home hang out with yeah that's, a, that's a common theme life. for a lot of uh, country tours doing the weekend warrior thing um did you have to learn how to manage um your mental headspace in terms of decompression time coming home being away and that and that you know uh, that that type of that type of thing I'm gonna have to Google a couple of the words you just used. Um, Sorry, but no, no, no. I feel like um, I'm in a yeah. I try to stay in a real healthy headspace by letting Good. like even just simple things like what what I just said. You know, just being goofy. You know, it's where you can actually take me. You know, when you're having a, a shit time, you know, you come home, you see the ones you love, you hang out with them, you joke around, do your thing. Um, and then you go back out and get after it, you know, um, communicate with your loved ones, you know, whoever they may be, if it's a significant other or children or anything like that. Um, with me, my kids, my two boys that are in school, they both play sports, so there's no time to decompress. Well, I shouldn't say that my, my, uh, their mom really is good about she'll, like if I get home, like this week, I'll get home on Sunday afternoon. I don't have to race right to their, you know, where they are, grab them immediately. I get that night off. But then the next morning, you know, it's time to go to school, do football, baseball, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, and I, I actually, I don't mind it a bit. So I don't feel like I'm having to... Um, decompress you know it's actually it's it's a it's a it's a nice switch of gears honestly i I think taking part in those things is what decompresses me well that's i mean that's the thing that you know you know we talked a lot about is it's so easy for us to in this industry to make our our identity is who we are when we're doing shows or when we're away or in the studio or whatever. And being able to not have that be your sole identity, even if it is, you know, a lot of who we are. And so the healthy side of that is that you are still able to come home and be a dad and be present and all those things. And that's, that is the healthy balance that we all should probably strive for is splitting, you know, where our center is, is not only in one place. Right. And I, I honestly, and it was fortunate in that, um, the young, the younger kids weren't around at that time, weren't born yet. 
Um, and when I was really like Todd's the sound guy, I'm the sound guy at the orange peel. And, you know, like you say, your identity, and I think it's a male thing too. Um, uh, we, we pull our identity through what we do for a living. It's like, you know, you call, call my cousin, man, what's up? Who's Pat? Uh, he's, he's a construction, you know, he owns a construction company here. Who's this guy? Well, he's a meat cutter. We refer to them by what they do for a living because uh, in a lot of households, that is their country, you know, and especially nowadays where people are having to have two jobs or, you know, double income families and stuff like that. They're having to spend so much time at work that it consumes not just the eight hours they may be at work, it consumes everything about them. Yeah, you know? I, I'm. Well, I'm guilty, right? That's why I'm kind of even kind of talk about this, and we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I'm freaking my my whole career. It's I've been guilty of making my work the center of who I am. It's mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's it's problematic. Uh, it, it can for, be for it, me. For for me. For me. I, I, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking out of, out of a place for myself, right? So, I, I, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's I'm. I'm curious about hearing other people's headspaces, which is which is why I asked. Yeah, and I think everybody's you know different situations. I don't know what your you know child and marriage situation is, but you know it's everybody processes their life a little bit differently. Sure, you know, and depending on what they've got going on with those situations, it's one thing to have kids; it's another thing to have a sick kid or a sick partner. You know, those add stressors. Um, and yeah, just from our perspective, we have to create that time. You know, if we're going to be gone for a long time, if I'm going to be gone for six weeks, you bet your ass I'm calling my kids a whole lot more than I would on weekend warrior weeks. Sure. You know, so you got to create, create that time, create that space. You know, if it, it, like weekend warrior, I might not call them the whole weekend, you know, cause I saw them off to school and, you know, I don't want to interfere with their time with their, you know, their parent and just go be kids. I don't want them to have to think about who's weak or anything like that. And that stresses everybody out. So sure. that's just my perspective. I'm not a shrink and Zeus and Dan will <laughs> fully agree that I probably need one. Um, <laughs> so, but. I feel like I'm, I'm very blessed. Now, that's not to say that I haven't been through those times. I remember when I was working at the Orange Peel, um, you know, club money didn't the best. Yep. Leave that right there. Um, but I remember we only had one vehicle at the time, and I would literally ride with my wife on her way to work. If we had a four o'clock load in, I'd ride into work with her at eight o'clock in the morning. And I would, I know still where every wire, every cable, everything to that PA lighting system, everything is in that building. Didn't have anything else to do. So I would mm -hmm. experiment. I'd get in there and I'm, here's some tracks. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Figure out what does what. So I guess I've kind of put myself through MTSU. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, just at my own speed. Real quick, hold on, sorry, I, Sam. I, I know you got some, but that's the, the cool thing. 
like about that is like man those times like unknowingly built so much for what you do now Mm -hmm. right like that's like when you look back like man like had you not had those hours and hours of experience you might actually not be where you are right now oh totally i think all of those situations come together to create the final product that is whatever i am yeah idiot standing behind the console (laughs) all right sam sorry well but that's no that's the thing that i where i wanted to go because i think what is it i we had a i wasn't an se on the last tour i just did Mm -hmm. um which was refreshing in a lot of ways to go back and all right i still know how to fix things i still when consoles crash and burn i can still take them apart like it was really nice to get back down to kind of where you started. And I also have a new appreciation now for what I normally do. Um, it's solidified that I really, really like it, which is great. Um, but, you know, talking about that experimentation, talking about being able to just try things, because, you know, I'm, I told our one of the front of house engineers who kind of asked me about the PA and I, I hadn't tuned it and, our normal SE on that tour hadn't tuned it. We had a, we had a fill in and I said, you know, it's, it sounds fine. I looked at him. I was like, Dave, I'm not convinced my way is the best way of doing anything. Right. Like I don't, I don't have all the answers. I have very, very few answers. Uh, but you know, he can, he can try whatever it is. And if you love it, that's great. And I, I hope it's great because we all want to have a good show and talking, right. you know, even more so in mixing, Right. And even more so in the more creative, you know, parts of our job, or at least this industry. Are you still experimenting? Are you still changing things or is it just dialed now? It's never dialed. Um, I'll be the first to say that. Um, I, I'll experiment with, you know, there's schools of thought on everything every aspect i don't care if it's gain structure or um using reverbs um different ways to achieve feedback in delay units um you know some guys will you know they'll run a three second reverb but hit it really light to get a certain effect and if they just want the longer tail they hit it harder um, some people, you know, a perfect example is people with tap delays, you know, well, you get half, I don't know what the number would be, but there's a number of people that they want to ride the send, mm-hmm. unmute the send for a tag. Okay. I came up with riding the return on a VCA just down at the end and ride the return for me, it makes sense because it gives me a second to think about if I want to use that delay. Mm. So if, you know, you get a little squeaky note at the end of that tag, you don't want it. You don't want that return. You don't want to hear that shit twice, 12 times or whatever, you know, whatever delay you're using. So it gives me, and it's just, it works for me, you know, um, or some, some people will, do other, you know, do it the other way, ride or, you know, just unmute the, the aux. Um, <clears throat> and it's not right and it's not wrong. You know, it's just how some people do it. it it's a tool. It's how you use it. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
so you know that and you know um just all, all kinds of stuff you know you, you could probably eq something five different ways and have it sound the same in the finished product you know, That's some true. people yep. gain it up hotter and dump a bunch of stuff. Some people gain it up less and start boosting stuff. I started as a monitor engineer, so knobs don't turn to the right. You know, um, <laughs> here, here. monitor engineer. <laughs> it's taken me a long time. Um, you know, you're never finished or, you know, nothing's ever dialed fully. And, you know, I'm, I'm just now, you know, however many years into this figuring out that uh, potentiometers on consoles will turn to the positive. <laughs> you know, if you look at my console now, I don't know that there's very many things that are boosted in my show file. I'm still fighting that getting out of the other headspace, <laughs> but I feel like we have a pretty, well, we do have a consistent show um, and consistent sound. So I'm okay That's with great. it. That's great. All right, Chris, I think we're a little up against the clock. Sure. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, see how many times we can... I was going to re-record this episode. Um, all right, well, let me let me hit Michael's question. Sam, come back to yours, and then I'll do my traditional. So, Todd, hey, we're coming back to your hometown right now, whether it's your in-law's house or your house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and uh, we're going to go somewhere to eat. Where where are we going? We are going to probably Twelve Bones. Ooh, sorry, sounds uh, good. Keep going. Yeah, it's a barbecue place. Shocking. Um, yeah, um, and it's real good. Uh, without being political at all, uh, like several presidents have been there, and it's a really good. Uh, last time I remember. One of those people shutting down the traffic for hours was when Obama came, and it's not on. It's not a. The original store was not very easily accessible, so you had to take all these side roads, and it screwed up traffic forever. But it's a really <laughs> good barbecue. <laughs> all right, what, what's your go-to? Uh, ribs, brisket, burn-ins. What's your brisket. what's your go-to? Okay, all right. brisket all day long <laughs> until they get a Bucky's here. Um, <laughs> My nice. my gas stops on the way to Nashville have changed now that they built that uh, Bucky's and wherever it is. Nice. So, yeah. Know. All right. What do you wish you knew when you first started? How to network better. Hmm. That, yeah, we were, you're asking me about the um, uh, credits that I, you know, credit people. Chad Stewart. He showed me how to do that, not on purpose, but he did it, and I observed it and went, like, "Oh, you know." Because for the longest time, I felt like <clears throat> if you do a good job and you put together a mix that at least everything sounds like it's coming from the same space and place, probably going to be all right, and you'll just magically get picked up on a tour because you're so awesome. That's not how it works. You got to talk to people. Hey, man, you got to let them know that you're available, that you don't want to be stuck in club hell if club hell is hell for you. Um, you know, that you want to move up or along or parallel, whatever. Uh, lateral move, you know, that you're looking for something different. And uh, working with Chad really 
he showed me how to just, hey, my name's blah, 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 instead of just head down and doing your work. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I I was going to ask you what advice you have for someone who's working in the club and local scene and looking to get that break to go on tour. But you kind of kind of just answered. I don't know if you have anything to add, maybe to that 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 context there. I would. The one thing I would add to that, and it's probably based on my experience, is if you're coming into the small clubs and in in a place like the Orange Peel, we had a lighting director, but what I would tell any quote youngster in, in the business is that learn everything. Mm. I don't care if you're yes. if you think right now, your aspirations are to be front of house guy for the Rolling Stones. Tough shit. They've got one. <laughs> no, uh, but <laughs> the addendum to that would be, you know, maybe you work lighting and you go, Holy shit, I love lighting. Yes. This is amazing. Or your tech your 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 artistic skills aren't the greatest, but you're really technical. You can be an SE. You need some artistic skills in the SE world. Eh, Bar's pretty low, they let me do it. Yeah, they might want a video. You, you, you just don't know. And M- monitors is up, a viable path on tour that some people, like myself and others, actually aspire to do long term. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and people don't. I read this in one of the books a while back, but it, it might have been couldn't have been Yamaha. But anyway, honestly, your monitor engineer, if you're looking to really form a relationship with your artist. Monitors is where you want to be, not front of one hundred percent. Because qu- couple quick instances. Because I, you know, I, I, there was a particular artist that I did this for a while. When when an artist goes around and does the award shows and the TV shows and all those things, uh, nine times out of ten, the person they're bringing with them is their monitor engineer because those places are always going to have their front of house engineer, but they're not going to have a monitor engineer that's going to be on their side or most in tune with what they need. So yes, I hundred percent second that. It's, it sounds backwards, but yeah, it's literally and, it, and it's this isn't this statement isn't a anti my artist or anything actually quite the opposite but i can count on leave my shoes on two yeah, that please, many so fingers it's, it's smell yeah. that's good yeah <laughs> you, you have been on my bus um so <laughs> um but i can count on two fingers how many times my boss has been to front of house mm-hmm. hmm. And it was both during rehearsals, and it wasn't because I'm hearing something funky. It was like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's not because he, 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 he. I feel like he trusts me implicitly. Sure, but if you're looking to just like build this lovey-dovey relationship with your artist, be a monitor engineer. Yeah, because there's going to be times you're going to be pulling, you know, IEM cables out of the crack of their ass, you know, in the middle of a show, and you got to have that thing you know oh yeah for sure you know so all right todd if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known how would you define that four words 
I give a shit. There you go. Ooh, I like that. You know, that, that post I put on Facebook the other day wasn't a lie. Um, you know, I think you liked it. I think both of you actually liked it as the one where I literally at every show, I don't care if it's a 360 show, an end show arena or a stadium. I walk to the shittiest quote shittiest seat in the house. I want to hear the PA mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, I have my character again that I play on stage, but I, I literally give a shit. And fortunately, the guys on our audio team give a shit, too. You know, and there's too many, you know, this is a small community, but it's also big enough to where if you don't keep your chops up and you don't keep your give a shit up, somebody's going to replace you. Mm -hmm. And there is a line at every venue of sound guys that want your job. Oh, yeah. Sound people. Sorry. No, you're fine. I answered a dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah that's that's my thing you know i tell people all the time I, I might not be the best front of house engineer out there i've heard mixes that blow me away but i'm consistent and i give a shit i think that would be the literally the only words i'd have that's awesome cool sick well, I thank you, you for uh, yeah. Up. Thank you for hanging Thanks out with us. Thank out. you. For, thank you mm-hmm. for. Uh, I mean, we couldn't release the last episode because we tried to do arms reach, and yet you're at your in laws, and you reach into this drawer, and we had to cut the episode because we just uh, we couldn't allow that to make it out <laughs> on the air. So yeah. it's, it's all good. Yeah. But we we re, we rescheduled for a half hour later, and we reset. We're good to go. So it's all good. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys putting up with the BS and all that good stuff. (laughs) Thanks for letting us harass you. Hey, it's always a pleasure. 